Turn with me to Luke chapter 13. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to read with me, chapter 13 of Luke. Ooh, praise God, I feel a presence here this morning, don't you? Amen. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust Him, how I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, 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 precious Jesus, oh, for grace. God, we need more grace. Give us more grace to trust Him more. I love you, Lord. I thank you to give one another opportunity this side of eternity to stand in this sacred place. Many times have passed over my head that I have stood in this same spot and preached your word. I ask you, O oh God, for something of which I'm not worthy. I ask you to move upon this congregation, O oh God, sharpen our minds, prepare our hearts, and help us to receive what the Spirit has to say to the church. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Jesus was very busy in ministry. There was no lethargy about him. He was constantly, the Bible said, going about doing good, healing all. Well, that's a great statement, isn't it? Healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Sickness and oppression. Bondage to a spirit of infirmity. Jesus had just been teaching, the Bible said, in the synagogue. It was the Sabbath. It was the day of worship. It was time to go to God's house. And as usual, all kinds of people gather at God's house. There were many people in the audience this day. There were people that hated Jesus in the audience. There were people that were trying to trip him up, to discredit him, to cause him embarrassment, and to cast a dispersion upon him. But the Bible said that Jesus held his own. When the Pharisees said, why would you teach something like fruitfulness 
and about a fig tree and a garden. And you would talk about a Sabbath day and how that it was all right to worship God on the Sabbath day and to do the necessities of life on the Sabbath day. And Jesus, the Bible said, taught them publicly there. And then the Bible changes the whole narrative, but usually it's connected to something that is similar. Luke 13, verse 10, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman. Thank God. There was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And he said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And he said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I would love to have been there that Sunday, wouldn't you? I would love to have been an eyewitness of the glory of God manifested in people's lives as life-changing and life-altering miracles took place that made a difference in everything. As I said, there are all kinds of people that appear at God's house, and they bring all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of needs, but they all come together in the person of the Lord Jesus and His ability to meet the need in every heart and every life. This lady had an issue that I hope none of us ever have to go through. The Bible said she had a, a situation that had to be neurological or neurophysical for her to be in the shape that she was in. And in fact, she had a lot of things going on with nerves and muscles and all of those kind of things. And if there was a, a neuro, neurologist here that could look at her situation and examine and do all the nerve tests, the EEGs and the EEKGs and all of those uh, tests to judge what's going on with somebody, I imagine he would probably go back to what's going on in her brain the nervous system that controls all the other faculties of the body. For somehow she had become so warped and so crooked and so bent that she was outcast from society. Now for us to read about times of Jesus and talk about customs and traditions of the Middle East, you'd have to understand that if you had any kind of deformity about you, 
You were a, a castaway and a cast out. Society just didn't have room for anyone who had a, a physical uh, problem, a physical issue. Society in Jesus' day, you, that's why you see people begging by the side of the road. And you, you see lepers that cry out, unclean, unclean. It was because they were, were marginalized and they, they were on, on the... Uh, Peripheria. They weren't able to associate with the, the rest of uh, the populace because they were, as they would say, unclean or ineligible or not good enough. And those kind of things. Those alienated people from being apart. But somehow this woman, though she had social problems and she had physical problems, she also had spiritual problems. And she come, came to church that day with physical problems, spiritual problems, and mental problems. And brought them all with her to church. And let me tell you, when she came to church, Mark, she wasn't looking for Jesus. She'd heard about him and she came, but she didn't come to see exactly what he was about to do for her. She came to hear him teach. She came to hear the marvelous truths that flowed from his lips. She came to hear those those soul-searching, those heart-warming things that came from the mind and heart of the Lord Jesus. But I want to tell you, Jesus is omnipotent, Jesus is omniscient, and Jesus is omnipresent, which means he knew she was coming. He knew what her problem was. He knew how it felt because he's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He knew what she was going through. And can I tell you this morning that no matter where you came from or what you left at home or what you're dealing with at the office or what's going on in your life, there is a Jesus who knows all about what's going on in your life. He knows all about all of the issues that you struggle with. He knows all about the wants and the needs and the things that you would love to see happen. Things that have been, this lady, 18 years. And a lot of people would just have said, Fooey, I'm through with that. It's never going to happen for me. Well, we've got a guy that tops that. We've got a guy at a pool for 38 years. And his excuse was somebody else. Somebody else. You see, when it doesn't happen for a long time, then sometimes blame placing sets in and you start finding if it's not me, it's got to be somebody else, you see. And uh, longevity through a difficult situation can make a person lonely, depressed, disappointed, despondent, all of those emotional things. But let me tell you, Jesus doesn't just heal physical needs. He heals emotional damage as well. He heals people from damaged emotions. And I want to tell you, this lady certainly had some damaged emotions. She had some physical disabilities that wouldn't allow her to be a normal person and live a normal life. And oftentimes that was very lonely because being ostracized from society as she was, she lived a very lonely life. I, I doubt if she had very many friends. But the wonderful thing about this lady is she found her way to God's house. Found her way to the Lord. A cripple, crippled by a spirit of 18 years. Bent over and the Bible said, and she could not do anything 
to improve her condition, physically nor spiritually. She could not straighten up at all. Now there's a beautiful picture here of salvation and redemption. Because every one of us come to Christ with depravity. And we come to Christ unable to lift up ourselves. Total depravity. That's tea and the tulip, you know, and about John Calvin. Total depravity. That means that we have no ability to lift ourselves in redemption. That without Christ, without Jesus, without the sacrificial offering of the Son of God, there is no way. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. And he said, if any man tries to come up any other way, he is a thief and a robber. There is only one way. There's only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And in Jesus, there is no disappointment. In Jesus, there is no failure. In Jesus, there is no want and there is no peer like the Lord Jesus. For Him to be in the house and you to be in the house at the same time is a glorious opportunity for things that you can't do anything about to put in the hands of Jesus and watch Him do something with your nothing. It's intended that strong women in the Bible are strong in faith and strong in hope. When you talk about Sarah, the Bible said the Lord strengthened her that in her old age she conceived a child because of faith and because of grace of, of God and the strength and the hope that comes. Esther in the Old Testament, the Bible said she was a strong woman, a strong woman. When it time, came time for a terrible tyrant named Haman to uh, kill the people of God and, and to annihilate uh, Jewish people, the Bible said, she, she said, I will go into the king and I will speak to the king and if I perish, I perish, but I will go. Strong women, strong women. Mary, when the angel says to her as just barely a teenager, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. The, the glory of the Lord is upon you. And you're treasured and valued among women. And said, this thing that the, is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. Talking about a woman that is strong in faith and strong in worship and strong in service to God. Wow, what a beautiful picture Mary is. Strong woman. Then we've got others mentioned in the New Testament. We've got, of course, Mary Magdalene that we've already preached about who was so instrumental in the early church in the establishing of the work of God. We've got a girl, late girl, a lady named Phoebe. She would appreciate me calling her a girl. Phoebe was a member of the church at Corinth, a strong member of that church. We read about others uh, Salome and others in the New Testament that were strong women. God intends women to be strong in faith and strong in hope. You're not a wimp. You're not a second thought. 
You're not a second-class citizen. You're a person for whom the Lord Jesus died. You're a vessel that is chosen of God, elect and precious. There's a great verse in Proverbs 31. It's in that passage that we all quote. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. I love the Eugene Peters, the message when he talks. Listen to what he says it. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Modern English versions say it this way. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? Ladies, let me hear it. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? That you clothe yourself with dignity and righteousness and upstanding. Your strength is in who you are in Christ. And you laugh at the days that lie ahead. Most of you say, oh no, I don't want to get old. Oh, no, is there not some cream? Is there not some kind of medication, something I can keep these wrinkles away and I can get rid of all the, oh, God, I don't want to buy them days ahead of me. I don't want them days. When you've got God in your heart and you've got God in your soul and you've got the grace of God that brings salvation, the hope of God and eternal life, then you can laugh at the days that lie ahead. Say, so one of these days, this lady that grows old is going to come in this house shouting and rejoicing and praising God. Ha, ha, ha. They laugh at things that other people dread. They, they can rejoice in things that other people see no need or any value. They can find strength in things that most people don't find strengthening. That's because they're strong women. And as we look at this passage, this is the last time that we ever hear of Jesus ever going to a synagogue. And this miracle is only recorded by one of the evangelists. Only Luke, not Mark, Matthew, nor John. Only Luke puts this one in his narrative. But he puts this here for us to know. And it doesn't lessen the authenticity and it doesn't lessen the anointing of it. But I believe the Holy Spirit of God moved upon Luke to put this in his account. And I believe we're going to see some spiritual things today that are going to help us. I, I believe that there's something in this story that every one of us can identify with and every one of us can say, I know how she must have felt. You see... Many people are in the shape that they're in because their lifestyle was bad. Many people are in the shape that they're in because they made some poor decisions. I mean, it's everywhere in the world, no smoking. If you smoke, you'll get cancer and die. And most folks just look at that and say, okay. If 
you live the lifestyle, you'll get AIDS. If you drink alcohol, you'll get cirrhosis. Because sin has consequences. And many times when we come to God, we've got to accept responsibility for how we have lived and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I repent. That means turn away from. Don't do it anymore. That's exactly what repentance means. It's a negative act. It means to turn away from. Wow. Repent and what does the Bible say? And be converted. Conversion is a positive act. It means turn toward God. So when you say I'm saved, it means you have turned away from the life you used to live and I've turned toward Jesus to supply the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy that I need. Is that too tough? But this text doesn't tell us that this woman was involved in anything that should have made things like they were for her. We don't have anything about immorality. We don't have anything because we only get one word. She was what she was and endured what she endured and had what she had because of one thing. Satan's bondage. Satan's bond Through nothing of her own, she just happened to be one of those places where the devil decided he would bind with a spirit of infirmity. And it was long-lasting. No doubt she'd lost hope. Now we know all those great verses that the Bible talks about looking heavenward, don't we? It even says when you see all of these things come to pass, Lift your head and rejoice because your redemption draweth nigh. The Bible says, Behold the heavens, for the heavens declare the glory of God. The Bible tells us that we should look unto them that look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? The Bible said we need to be looking for him. But when you're bowed in this position right here, you can't look up and rejoice. You can't look up and see the glory of God. You can't look up and wish Jesus would come in the clouds because you're bowed together and you cannot lift yourself up. Many things that this woman sought help in, she couldn't do because her disability wouldn't allow her. We know that great verse. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Brother, you know that in your heart. But because your situation is like it is, you can't lift your head up unto the hills. And you can't lift your eyes to the hills. You can't, can't look for help by looking up because your 
constantly looking down and all you can see is the ground and you, everybody around you is, is seeing things you're not able to see and you're bound in that bondage by what you can see. You're, every time you take a breath, you breathe the dust from someone else's feet. Every time you take a step, you see one a step in front of you because all you can see is down. All you can see is what others are doing and others are taking and you just follow along because you can't look up to see where you're going. But she found herself in church one day where there was a rabbi, a savior, a truth and the life, a resurrection and the life who said, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. And he's in the presence of She could not do anything to help herself. You see, if you had asked that poor man at the pool at Bethesda who had laid there 38 years by that pool, if you would have walked by and said, Sir, do you believe that you'll ever be healed? He would have probably said, No. No, it hasn't happened in 38 years. Why should I believe it would ever happen for me? If you could have walked by John 9, that blind man sitting on the side of the road, and you could have said to him, Sir, do you believe you'll ever be healed? You've been here your whole life. You've never seen anything. You've never been able to open your eyes. You've never seen your mother. You've never seen your father. You've never seen your kinsfolk. You've never seen the house that you live in. You've never seen any of that. Do you think that'll ever change? Do you think it'll ever be different? And he would probably have said, no. If you could have walked outside the gate of Jerusalem and seen that man sitting there in that awful condition, warped and crooked and bent, much like this woman was, outside the temple, Blake, he couldn't go into that temple and worship. He couldn't get into that place where he could hear the music. He could hear the hosannas. He could hear all the noise connected to worship. But he couldn't get in. Because he was so crooked and so bent until one day, my God, I felt a streak of the Holy Ghost. One day, two disciples, freshly filled with the Holy Spirit, walked past he was, where he was, and he said, Alms, alms. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible said, And he immediately leaping up stood. And his first activity was, and he went his way into the temple, leaping and rejoicing and praising God. You mean crooked limbs can be made straight? You mean crooked lives can be straightened out? You mean things thought impossible can become possible? Do you mean that things that seem like it's always going to be that way, 
that you're a loser and always been a loser and always will be, that you're a drunk and you've never been anything but a drunk and you'll die a drunk. I'm here to refute every bit of that in the name of Jesus and to tell you the exciting news today is that Jesus forgives and Jesus forgets. And when Jesus forgives and forgets, he makes you a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. All things passed away and all things become new. So when hope is almost non-existent, and when it seems like there's no change and never will be, the wonderful news I've got for you is that the Bible said, and Jesus called unto her. He first saw her. He saw her. You know, there, there are people that I love, everybody in this house. But if somebody were to ask me, was so-and-so here today? I'd have to say, I didn't see them. If I didn't see them, I didn't see them. You know, sometimes I don't see. Sometimes I go to church and don't see. Sometimes you go to church and don't see. But though I may fail to see, and you may fail to see, there is one whose eyes run to and fro in the earth. There is one who has an all-seeing eye. There is one who knows everybody here this morning and can call the role faithfully. Not only does he know everyone here, he knows their hearts. Everyone here. I may not know and may not recall and may not remember, but he never forgets. He never forgets. He's with you always. He's the one who said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He's the one who knows whose name is in that book that's recorded in heaven. You see, Jesus is His name. He saw her. I dare say that not many people saw her at church that day. Not many people cared that she was at church. Not many people thought that she ought to be at church. But it was worship day. It was Sabbath day. And it was worship. Time to go to church. And bless God, she got up and took her warped, crooked, bent, disappointed, despondent self and drug all of her baggage to the house of God. You know, the Bible said my feet had almost slipped. They nigh slipped. But it said, but then I went to the house of the Lord. I went to the house of the Lord. And you know what happened when he said, I got to the house of the Lord? I beheld. I saw. I saw something that a lot of folks don't see. I saw his glory. And I saw his beauty. 
and I saw his majesty, and I saw his sovereignty. I saw his blessing, his grace, his abiding presence. And he said, it changed everything for me. My feet had nigh slipped until I went to the house of God and beheld his glory. You see, there's something settling. There's something that helps you get established that happens at God's house. It doesn't happen anywhere else. I said it doesn't happen anywhere else. Just at God's house. How many times do you think she woke up in the morning trying to raise herself up, but she couldn't do it? Nobody, her name wasn't on the city registry. Her name was not on who's who in this city. But she found her place in the house of God. And Jesus saw her. And listen to this. Come on, Olivia, and help me quit. When Jesus saw her, the Bible said, and he called unto her. And he said, woman, come to me. That woman that's supposed to wear that clothing of honor and dignified and strength and all. Sometimes Jesus says, you need to come to me. It's great that you're a strong woman, but you need me. It's great, lady, that you got up and went to church, but you need me. It's wonderful that you've got the go ye when other folks don't have the go ye. It's wonderful that you recognize God in all of your life, but you can do nothing apart from me. Uh, without me, nothing can be accomplished. And he said, woman, come to me. And I see that warped, crooked, disabled woman as she starts making her way. Making her way, slow and pushing around, trying to get past this one and get past that one. Push past one, one more, one more. And I'm going to have to look up when I get up here some way, some way. He's called me to come to him. He's called my name and he spoke my name and he said to me, come to me. And I've got to get to where he is. I... Oh, my bones are aching, and oh, it hurts so bad. But could I, could I just see Jesus somewhere if I could just get a glimpse? And the Bible said that Jesus stretched out his hand when she could go no further. When she could not advance anymore, Jesus came to where she was and he laid his hands upon her and he said to her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Woman, thou art loosed. And the Bible said, immediately. Have you ever had an immediately? I said, have you ever had an immediately? Have you ever had God to do something so immediate and on the spot that it was changed in a moment? 
and the twinkling of an eye, all things were changed. All things were changed when Jesus touched her. No wonder we sing, He touched me and He made me whole. All things were changed when He found me. A new day broke through all around me. For I met the Master. Brother, if you can just meet the Master, if you can just somehow get into the presence of the Master, He can change things that quickly, immediately. Immediately. Stand with me, please, all over this house. There's power in affirmation. The Bible said, where two or three agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done. I was preaching here one Sunday morning, and I said what I just said to you. Roger Borders got up and walked up here where I was, and he said, I want to agree with you. He said, my business is failing. He said, I'm in trouble with loans and finance. I need God to help me. I've got one house that I've got to sell. And if I don't, I'll go under. And I said, Roger, I agree with you in Jesus' name that you're going to sell that house. And I agree with you right now that God will do it. He walked out that way to his car, that suburban, and he drove up 78 Highway, and he pulled into the highlands up there where the subdivision is with the waterfall, and he parked his car in front of that house he had for sale. And he said, now God, I've done what my pastor preached this morning, and I don't know anything else to do. I've done it all, and I'm here, Lord, and I'm waiting. A car pulled up and said, Sir, do you know who owns that house? And Roger said, I do. He said, Well, I want to buy that house. And standing on that spot, he signed and put earnest money on that house. Now, that's not something that I read in a magazine. That's not something somebody sent me in the mail. That's something God did right here. Right here. I was preaching in the Florida camp meeting, and I told that story. And there were some strong women in that audience that night. She was sitting by a weak man. They get a little timid when I say that. She looked over at him, and Randy, she said, get up there. He said, what do you mean? 
She said, you hadn't sold a house in three months. You're a real estate agent. And you hadn't sold a house. We can't pay our bill. We need somebody to agree with us about something. And Roger, I walked over to that man and took him by the hand and prayed a prayer with him about your testimony. Your testimony. He agreed with me and prayed. The next night I came back to preach. And a man came in the door. He didn't stop. Came all the way up to the rostrum. And he said, you're not going to believe this. And I said, tell me. He said, I went home. There was a message on my answering machine. He said, I want to buy a house you've got listed. And said, can you meet me in the morning at 9 o'clock? I want to put earnest money on it. So you go from telling the story to telling the story to telling the story and God just keeps on. We used to pass out a lot of prayer cloths since COVID. I don't think we pass out as many as we did. But I, I sent one to my sister who had breast cancer. I sent her one. And there's a lady at work with her. And she said, Brenda, said, I've got a bad diagnosis that I've got cancer. And my sister said, well, so they've got at my brother's church a thing they call a prayer cloth. And said, I tell you what I'll do. I'll tear mine in two. And I'll give you half of mine. Well, I'm about to shut. I'll give you half of mine. And the next time that Vernell came in, she said, Brenda, you're not going to believe what the doctor said. The doctor said, I don't have any cancer anywhere in my body. Vernell's uncle in Chicago was talking to her on the phone and said, Vernell, old uncle's got cancer. Said, I don't know what in the world we're going to do. And Vernell said, uncle, said, I've got half of a prayer cloth and said, I'll tear it in two and I'll send you half of mine. And the same thing happened with uncle. He came back and said, no cancer anywhere in my body, Vernell. Woo. It works. I said it works. If you can ever just get to where Jesus is, if you can ever hear Him say, Thou art loosed, if you can ever get to that point to believe that He'll do it for me, Many of you would tell me, Pastor, I can believe He'll do it for other people, but I can't believe He'd do it for me. I want to tell you, He'll do for you what no other power can do. I want you to lift your hand right up toward heaven. God, I have preached Your Word to this congregation this morning. What You gave me, and I've given to them. I ask You, God, right now, all over this house, there are people that you told me to tell today that Jesus is the answer. 
and that if I'll just listen, I hear him calling me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, all ye ends of the earth, and be saved. Oh, God, let that happen right here this morning. God, it is not in a size of a building. It's not in a, a, an occasion, an address. Or, God, it's all about lift your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Mm. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. Dear God, I pray that You would touch the hearts of people right now and help them, O oh Lord Jesus, to know that You're near to them, that Your heart is touched. And I'm going to speak what You said for me to speak to this congregation before I dismiss them today. I'm going to tell them what You said tell them. People, people of harvest, thou art loosed. Thou art loosed. No more. Say it with me. No more. Say it again. No more. No more. Satan, you take your slimy hand off of my business. Satan, you take your slimy hand off my family. Satan, you take your slimy hand off my son. Satan, you take your slimy hand off of our church. In Jesus' name, we are loosed. In Jesus' name, we're free. In Jesus' name, no more bondage, no more fear, no more anxiety. No more. Say it again. No more. Thank you, God. Now for about 30 seconds, could you give God the best praise you've got? Come on, best you got. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you. We praise you. We honor you. We know that you're a great God, and we give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, all the exaltation. Thou alone art worthy of our worship, God. And we praise you today. Hallelujah. Feeling so much better talking about the Lord. Boy, that's so old. Lord, have mercy. Feeling so much better talking about the good old way. Talking about the Lord. Lord, I can't even remember of it. all of it. It's so old. But when we talk about the Lord, things get better. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be in your house today. Go with us to our homes and our families and our jobs tomorrow and help us to be light and salt in this world. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. God bless you and God go with you is our prayer. You have a great week.